0: Welcome to the Strategic Families Podcast, where we challenge families to be rooted in God's Word, energized with gospel centered purpose, and activated on mission for His kingdom. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Strategic Families Podcast. Today is installment number four in our series on bringing intention and purpose into the Advent season, and this will be our last episode before Christmas. And good news again, my wife Katie is back on the podcast today to share about an idea that we've been talking about in our family this year, and that is giving a birthday present to Jesus. You know, I think we've all experienced this to one degree or another, but during this time of year, even if we're on guard not to let the commercialism swallow us up, It's still so easy to center our Christmas celebration around nice ideas like, you know, getting together with family or getting in the Christmas spirit or baking cookies and things like that. And, you know, obviously there's nothing wrong with that stuff. But if we're honest, sometimes we get so wrapped up in it that we forget this really, really important truth. This is Jesus' birthday. This is the day when we celebrate the absolutely breathtaking truth that God became flesh and made His dwelling among us in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Stop for a second and take that in. The Word, the Lord Jesus Christ, became flesh and made His dwelling among us. Even as Christians, we could go through an entire Christmas season or a lifetime and not properly savor that amazing truth. A few years back, I heard a sermon by Pastor Tim Keller where he talked about visiting a family that lived right beside some train tracks, and he was sitting in their living room, and all of a sudden, this really loud train went by, and it startled him. And he said to the family, he said, how do you live with that? And they said, live with what? And they had become so used to this incredibly loud sound that they didn't even notice it anymore. And Pastor Keller used that as an illustration to show what can happen to those of us in Christ who have heard the Christmas story year after year. It can become so familiar to us that we don't even recognize how amazing and profound it is. What a great challenge for all of us to think about this Christmas. Have we allowed the beauty and the glory and the astounding nature of the Christmas story to become lost on us? What about our children? Are they really grasping the magnitude of the celebration? Christmas is not just a cute story about a baby in a manger. Of course it is that, but it's so much more. Christmas is about God seeing our need for a Savior and entering Himself into our darkness to rescue us from the world, the flesh, and the devil. Christmas is the story of the beginning of His rescue mission for us. That is just so awesome if you stop to think about it. And while we rightly dwell in the beauty of God in the form of a baby in a manger, we should always let that baby remind us of the Savior on the cross. There's this great Bebo Norman song on our Christmas playlist called Baby Born to Die. And you know, that's a sobering thought, but it is so true. He came not just to be born, but to die so he could rescue me and you. How amazing is that? So for today's episode, we're going to step away from some of the Christmas craziness, which, full disclosure, we've been participating in as well as a family. Today, we're really going to try to reflect and search the scriptures as we get closer to Christmas. We want to explore how families can rightly center our celebration of Christmas on the Lord Jesus Christ. This is His birthday. So what do we do for others on their birthdays? We plan a celebration. We give gifts that honor the one we're celebrating, right? And if we're doing it well, we don't just look around for something we can give up, like an old used toy or something. We want to give the person what they want. For example, this Christmas, I was thinking of giving my wife a miter saw because I think that's something she would love. No, just kidding. But seriously, we want to give the other person something we know that would please them or honor them. And it's no different with Jesus. So the question is this, what does Jesus want? And how can we know what he wants? Well, that's pretty simple. We read his word where he tells us. And when I say simple, it may not be easy And it may involve sacrifice, but his word makes clear what he wants from us. So we're going to explore that idea today.
1: Yeah, I'm really excited to dive into this because it's something that our family really needs as well. It's a growth area for us. I feel like each year we talk about this and maybe increase it a little bit, but it's something that we could certainly dive deeper in. And I would bet probably every family could always dive a little bit deeper into this. So um, we wanted to first, just to Graham's point of, wanting to know what does Jesus actually want, we thought we would spend a good bit of time in Scripture today and just kind of reading some different passages that talk to this and then trying to extrapolate out a few practical ways that we might do this just to get wheels turning and ideas going. And there are obviously so many different directions you could go with this. So the first one that came to mind for me was um, in Micah 6 because it actually asks the question, what does the Lord require of us? And so backing up to verse 6, it says, With what shall I come before the Lord and bow down before the exalted God? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with 10,000 rivers of olive oil? Shall I offer my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body, for the sin of my soul? He has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with our God. And so, you know, you think on that and you think, wow, I mean, those are three of the things. I mean, there are lots throughout scripture, but in essence, what I think he's really looking for is for us to reflect his image, to become formed to him, to become more like him and to let our minds be renewed. And so in Micah, he he reminds us of the justice and mercy and humility of God and that we ought to reflect those things, but we want to make sure that we are living in a way that is honoring to Him. Our son, when we were talking about this event yesterday, reminded us, um, he said, you know, I don't think that God is asking us to give Him our hearts for Christmas And he he reminded us of that verse in Jeremiah that talks about how our hearts are wicked and deceitful above all things. And so as we kind of discussed, we said, yeah, it's not that we're giving our hearts. It's that we're yielding our hearts. We're letting him transform us and conform us to him so that we reflect his image better. And so, you know, that brought to mind Psalm 51 where David is just, you know, praying to the Lord and he's confessing, but he's trying to be made right and clean and pure before the Lord. So I thought that might be another good passage for us just to kind of think on. So I'll just read a few of the verses throughout Psalm 51. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions, wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. You do not delight in sacrifice or I would bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. My sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. You, God, will not despise." And while we see throughout scriptures, there are sacrifices made, there are gifts brought to Jesus, but I think these passages just remind us that it's, where, where is your heart in it? What are you trying to um, give to the Lord? Because it's not just a thing, it's a yielded heart that is being transformed through the giving of this gift. God doesn't need our gift, it's, it's our heart that needs to be yielded and changed, so one just practical idea of how we might apply that with our kids is to stop and just say let's let's write a letter to Jesus and let's take some time to ponder and reflect and listen to the spirit and let him shine light into the darkest places of our hearts and let's take time to repent to commit areas where we maybe have not been following him as well as we could, and to commit to, to more discipline and letting the Lord really work those things in our lives. And so you might write in this letter, or with your you know children could obviously write in these letters, and you know confession, but then also increasing our discipline, our accountability. Maybe seeking out a mentor if we're if we're needing a little bit more assistance or resources that could help us grow. Maybe finding some scripture that we will commit to memorizing to help us as we work those things, and and let the Lord really just change the way that we think, change the way that we approach life, and allow our hearts to reflect His.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. Personal reflection is so good. And, you know, I don't think I need to tell anybody this, but it's really difficult to find time for personal reflection this year. There's just so much going on. And so really, we're probably not going to find the time. We need to make the time. That means we need to push some other things aside so that we can sit and be quiet before the Lord and really take this time to reflect on what He's calling us to. You know, I would say this is a great activity that you can do with all of your kids together. Everybody's quiet and maybe sitting in the same room, and you put on some worshipful music and get out a paper and a pencil and just spend that time with the Lord. And it is just so cool to see what comes out of those times. So we'd really encourage you to do that, and we're going to do that as a family as well. Okay, so another thing that came to mind that would please the Lord is serving and loving the least of these. And some of you will be familiar with this passage, but it's worth our time to be reminded of it and to focus on it. And this is from Matthew chapter 25. It's all about serving and loving the least of these. And so I'm just going to read a little bit from this passage. You know, let's just let it minister to us. So this is Jesus talking. He says, starting in verse 31, When the Son of Man comes in His glory and all the angels with Him, He will sit on His glorious throne all the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. And it goes on to talk about how he acknowledged people who had served him in some way. And then starting in verse 37, then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in Or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? The king will reply, Truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Wow, what a powerful passage. It's really important that we clarify that Jesus is not talking about means of salvation. We know that salvation comes through faith in Christ, not by our works. But we also know that true faith is exhibited by our works. So we see here a commitment of those who know Christ, serving Him by serving those who need to be served, who need to be cared for. Jesus is obviously honored by this. So the question for us this Christmas is, how can we honor our Lord by serving the least of these? Each Christmas, one of the coolest things that we have the privilege of doing, and I'm sure some of you guys are familiar with this concept, this idea of getting a catalog from an organization like Compassion International or Samaritan's Purse and I'm sure there are other organizations that do this. Those are two that we know of. Uh, and as an aside, those are fantastic ministries. But what they do, they send out these catalogs. They come in and they provide you with ways to provide for the needs of others in different parts of the world. And it could be things like buying chickens or goats or water filters, um, even things like opportunities for education uh, and you know money, caring for a newborn, things like that, and You know, I've got one here and it's got things like small business startup and recovery, education and training, textbooks, computers, baking classes, life saving surgery, hygiene kit, dental kit, mosquito net. There are so many awesome ideas in here and I just absolutely love this. It (laughs) honestly kind of makes me cry just thinking about it and I cry easily. So maybe that's not saying a lot, but seriously, how amazing is this that we have an opportunity to provide such basic things for people? Some of these things are out of the ordinary, you know, like cows and things like that. But some of them are things that we just take for granted. I mean, think of a computer and a textbook. I mean, we have those things all over the place in our country. And yet there are people all over the world who don't. And we have an opportunity to provide for them. So Matthew 25 comes to mind when I think of this way of giving. And let's remember this scripture from 1 John 3, 17 to 18. And what a challenge for us this is. It says this. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. Friends, I think most of us can say that we have material possessions. And here's a ministry showing us needs all over the world. This is an awesome opportunity to love with actions. And the best part about all of this is that groups like Compassion International and Samaritan's Purse are not just providing for people's needs. They're doing it in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I love that model. Meeting needs, which opens up opportunities to share the good news of Jesus Christ. What a wonderful way to honor the Lord this Christmas by following his command to love others with actions. And let's remember Jesus' words in John 14, 15, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. With this idea though, Let's make sure it's not just something you and your spouse do. Involve the kids. This is an awesome way to allow your kids to see needs around the world and to think about how they can meet them as well, all in the name of Jesus Christ. If they've earned their own money, encourage them to think about what they can give to others in this way. And Katie and I are kind of old school. We like the catalogs. But if you don't have the catalogs, don't worry about it. You can do it online. Either way, it's a fantastic way to involve your kids and honor the Lord this Christmas. Giving in this way is really good, but we also need to be serving. A couple of months ago, Katie and I visited a ministry that's close to Charlotte, and we were talking with one of the leaders, and they're serving a community that has a huge need in their area, and it's really a fantastic ministry. And She said she wished they had the support of more churches in the area, and I said, oh, so they don't see the need? And without skipping even a beat, she said, no, they don't want to see the need wow, that just hit me like a ton of bricks. And she went on to talk about how it's so much easier for us in the body of Christ to just give money to something far away and not have to be there on the ground involved in the ministry. You know, that's pretty convicting. And it's definitely something for us to wrestle with as we think about serving people who are less fortunate than we are. There are needs all around us geographically In our communities, there are so many needs, no matter where you live. And getting involved may involve us interacting with people that we don't normally see. But think about what Jesus did. He hung out with the marginalized, and He loved them. Especially with kids, it's so important for them to be serving with their hands so they can really see the need, and not just in a catalog. Yes, it will be uncomfortable at times, but God doesn't call us to a life of comfort. He calls us to a life of godliness and service and sacrifice, and when we follow his example, he is honored. What a fantastic gift that would be for him to be like him and serving others in great need in the communities around us.
1: Yeah, I really liked, Amy mentioned this on the podcast she was on a couple of weeks ago, but just the idea of really finding tangible ways for kids to participate as well. And she was talking about the candy caning and that kind of thing. But I do think, Graham's right here, that we do want to find ways we can serve in any way we can and it, it can be really challenging we find this to be a little bit of a trick to find places where especially young kids can serve as well but it's worth pursuing so uh, another thing that kind of just struck me was thinking about what are the talents and skills and also the spiritual gifts that god has given to each person in your family i think sometimes we're a little better at this figuring it out for us as parents But I want to encourage us as families this Christmas to really be thinking about that with our kids. And a lot of times these things surface pretty early, not always, and sometimes it takes a little while to really identify them. But it's important, whatever we see in our kids, that we really help draw that out and help them find ways to use those talents and skills and gifts to help others and to love Jesus better. So I was thinking about the parable in Matthew 25 and how the master was about to go away and he gave five talents to one servant and two to another and one to the last and he comes back and you probably recall this but the servants that had five talents and two talents had each invested them and they doubled their investments and then he turns to the last servant and he says oh i just buried it i was afraid i didn't know what to do and so here it is and You know, the master was obviously very angry that he hadn't used the talent he'd been given, and he even took it away and gave it to the one who now had 10. And as I reflect on this parable, I'm challenged to remember that not only do Graham and I need to be sure we are using the talents and skills God has given us for his glory, and we really do need to stop and ponder. I think this is a great time to step back and think about this. Are we using those well and as much as we can, or should we be stepping up in that too? But we also want to find ways with our children. This is part of the discipleship of them as they grow into more mature believers is to help them see those things and see how they can serve others and seek out opportunities to use their skills and talents for God. So let's be thinking and talking with our children over these next couple of weeks and help them identify those things, help them see those things. I love in Psalm 96, um, at the very beginning, he says, Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord, all the earth. Sing to the Lord, bless his name. Tell of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all the peoples. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He is to be praised above all gods. And as I was thinking about that, you know, David obviously has this gift of music and song, but each each person has Skills and talents that they can use. And I was thinking, especially along the lines of arts and music and that kind of thing, if your child is good at art or is good at calligraphy or music or writing stories or poetry, or maybe they're into performing arts or baking, how could they use those to create something like a tangible thing this Christmas to worship God, to thank Him for His work in their lives, to Recognize who he is and the attributes that they really appreciate about him. Could they write a poem about how God has been at work in their lives? Or could they write a song? Or could they make really cool artwork around a verse that has really uh, meant a lot to their hearts this year? So I just think that this is a really good practical possibility where they could take this and create a new song, so to speak, that would worship the Lord and be a great gift for Jesus this Christmas. So besides the, you know, just kind of skills and talents, the other thing that scripture is really clear about is that God has given us spiritual gifts, and these are really specific things. Um, As far as talking with kids about it, I really like to start with Romans 12. I think it's a great passage for helping them understand the concept of being a living sacrifice, conforming their hearts to the Lord's, and then it gives some really specific things that kids can do. So I'll read a little bit of this right now. At the beginning, it says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. And it goes on later to say, for just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function. So, in Christ, we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, then And in there are so many spiritual gifts that, you know, you might be able to draw out with your children. And obviously there are other passages and first Corinthians and other places that you can draw from to help your kid see what maybe their gifts are. But as you see them practicing those things, if you see a spirit of generosity or you see a spirit of mercy, or you recognize that they really have a gear towards being hospitable, draw those things out and provide opportunities for them to really use those things for the Lord. So it's really important that we help them see that and also evaluate that with ourselves and recognize what our own spiritual gifts are and really model that for our kids, show them that, hey, this is mine and this is how I'm going to try to use that to really honor the Lord and serve others in the church. So a practical idea in terms of a gift for Jesus would be to help your kids identify those and brainstorm that, and then maybe write down what is a way that you can bless others well using this gift this year. What is something specific that you might do in this next year? And write that down and wrap it up. And that's you know that's a gift, something that you can commit to, to using this gift better throughout the year. Um, so just last little thought here. I was um, reading in a devotion this week by John Piper. It was an Advent devotion. In Joy to the, it's called Joy to the World. And he made an excellent point that the reason we give is not because God needs anything, but because the process and sacrifice of time and resources helps remind us that those things we are giving up are of less value to us than Christ, and with the expectation that our desire for Christ will intensify as we give, similar to the way that fasting accomplishes this. The gifts of the Magi were not given to Jesus because he needed them but it was a statement of recognition that those treasures were of less value they were laying them down to have a more satisfying relationship with Jesus so as we lay down you know whether it's our time or energy or money or whatever to make these gifts for Jesus we want to make room for a deeper satisfaction by him in relationship with him
0: yeah that is just awesome and another way to think about this is the ways in which God has provided examples in the scriptures of people who gave things to God that honored him and I think we see this in the wise men bringing their treasures to Jesus and I wanted to share a little more from that devotion because it's so powerful first let's start with the scripture in Matthew chapter 2 verse 11 it says this on coming to the house they saw the child with his mother Mary and they bowed down and worshiped him then they opened their treasures And presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And we've all heard this so many times, but I love that these were their treasures. But he's worth it, isn't he? Think of what he has done for us. We owe him nothing less than our treasures. That's gonna be different from person to person. It might be money, it might be time, it might be comfort, so many things it could be. As we think about what we can give Jesus this Christmas, we need to realize it's probably gonna cost us something. It definitely cost the wise men something and John Piper in that same devotion he says this that you know when we give gifts like this to Jesus it's like we're saying by giving to you what you do not need and what i might enjoy i am saying more earnestly and more authentically you are my treasure not these things wow how powerful is that that's is just so awesome so uh, you know another place that we see this in the scriptures is the woman with the alabaster jar who poured it on Jesus's head And Jesus was honored by that, and it was costly, so much so that that the disciples said, hey, we could have sold this and given the money to the poor, but Jesus was honored by it because it pointed to something greater, that he would die for our sins. And it really cost her something, but it honored him. I just think that's so cool. So another place that we see this in the scriptures of people giving gifts to the Lord is from Luke chapter 19 with the story of Zacchaeus and Some of you, many of you probably know this story. Zacchaeus is in the tree looking for Jesus, and Jesus sees him and calls him by name and spends time with him. And then it says this in verses 8 through 10, But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man, too, is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. So here what we see is after Zacchaeus spends time with Jesus, you know, think about the massive change that happened in his life and how Jesus responded. Zacchaeus clearly allowed Jesus to change his heart. And we see immediately how he's committed to making things right with others. So, all right, let's talk about our own lives. Are there areas in our lives that resemble what Zacchaeus was struggling with? Where do we need to allow the Lord to change us and redirect our hearts so that we're in a right relationship with both Him and with others? I would encourage us all, me included, to seek the Lord on this. And if the Lord reveals something to that like you or me, what an awesome gift that would be to allow our hearts to be changed by Him and to get into a right relationship with others. How cool would that be? So another area where we see this that I think is just amazing is in 2 Kings chapters 22 and 23 with King Josiah. And I'd encourage you to go and read that. It's kind of long, so we're just going to summarize and quote a little bit here. But from 2 Kings 22 verse 11, it says this. And so just to give a little context, um, you might recall that the book of the law had been lost and one of the king's men finds it. And brings it to Josiah, and the book is read to him, and this is what it says in verse 11. When the king heard the words of the book of the law, he tore his robes. And then later it goes on to say just how Josiah responded to it. This is chapter 23, verse 1. Then the king called together all the elders of Judah in Jerusalem. He went up to the temple of the Lord with the people of Judah, the inhabitants of Jerusalem, the priests and the prophets, all the people from the least to the greatest, he read in their hearing all the words of the book of the covenant, which had been found in the temple of the Lord. The king stood by the pillar and renewed the covenant in the presence of the Lord to follow the Lord and keep his commands, statutes, and decrees with all his heart and all his soul, thus confirming the words of the covenant written in this book. Then all the people pledged themselves to the covenant. And then later we go on to read that Josiah was just ruthless in getting rid of the idol worship and these altars and so many things in the land that dishonored the Lord. I mean, he was fierce and I love his fierceness. And his fierceness came because he realized after the book of the law was read, he realized that he and his people had not been following the Lord. And it's just an example of amazing leadership to bring his people back into a covenant with the Lord. What a gift to the Lord that is. So the question for us might be where do we need God's Word to deal with us? Years ago, I remember hearing a sermon on the radio, and this preacher said, sometimes you hear people say, you know, when I read the Word, I've you know, I've got a problem with God's Word. And then he said, you know, they read it, and they realize the more they read it that God's Word has a problem with them. <laughs> you know, God's Word has a problem with the way we live sometimes, right? And I thought that was funny, but really so important. And I think that's what Josiah realized, that God's word had a problem with Josiah and the people. And how did he respond? Well, he took immediate action to bring his people into a right relationship with the Lord. What a gift to the Lord that would be this Christmas. You know, for those who are in the word already, great. But the question is, are we letting his word do its work in us? We need to be not only hearers, but doers, right? Are we taking action like Josiah to ruthlessly root out the things that don't honor him? For those who aren't in the word, what a great time to start. What a gift to him that would be. You know, we say we want God to speak to us, and the good news is he already has. We have his word. What a gift it would be to him to listen to him and obey him like Josiah did.
1: Yeah, I love that. It's a good reminder that Jesus came with a message of repentance that's over and over and over throughout the gospels. And so I do think that a big piece of whatever we give probably needs to involve some repentance in the first part is just confessing and recognizing those things and really turning back to Christ. Um, so and now that we've kind of talked about lots of different gifts, so to speak, you know, that's not the only way that we celebrate someone's birthday. When you kind of think about how are you celebrating Birthdays in the rest of your family. You know, there are lots of different things you can do. And so we would just really encourage you create a celebration that's set aside, you know, whether maybe it's Christmas Eve or Christmas morning or whatever, that's really just 100% focused on Christ and take some time to sing some Christmas carols and really worship the Lord and celebrate his birth. Uh, maybe take time to even read through the lyrics in advance so that you can help the kids really process what these things mean and then sing them together. Um, you can obviously read scriptures and go through the whole account from Luke 2 or, um, you know, Isaiah 9. I'll read that one right now just because I think it's a great reminder of a just beautiful worship. It says, nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who were in distress. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the future, he will honor Galilee of the nations by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. What an awesome passage. You could unpack that for a while with the kids and just really help them understand how incredible this was, even especially at that time, after waiting and waiting and waiting and having heard all these promises and all these prophecies and knowing that God is going to come through for them and to now have the answer and the way forward. And we have this way forward, and it's just, it's just so beautiful. Some other thoughts that you could incorporate, maybe watch or listen to a Christ-honoring concert like Behold the Lamb by Andrew Peterson or watch the Nativity together, go to our Christmas pageant, you know, something that is really focused on Christ. Possibly take time to verbally share with each other things that you love about Jesus. This is something we do in our family on, on birthdays. We'll all go around and say what we love or what we're thankful for in each person. We'll take time to do that with Jesus, right? Make him a birthday cake. Sing happy birthday to him on Christmas Eve. Wrap up your presents, put them under the tree, and actually present the gifts and, and talk about them. But just really center this in on Jesus.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. Okay, so we are about to wrap up here, but I wanted to share a beautiful hymn that we plan to talk through with our kids. We've been doing this with a couple of hymns. The other day, we did We Three Kings, which has A beautiful um, set of verses. We know the first verse, but I'd encourage you to check that out and and check out the later verses because it's just awesome. But the hymn that we're going to share with our kids coming up is called Nations That Long in Darkness Walked. And this is not one that I've historically been familiar with. It's one that's only come to my realization in the last few years. But here's what it says. So just kind of take this in. This is really a celebratory and uh, scripture-filled hymn. Says this Nations that long in darkness walked have now beheld a glorious light. On them who dwelt in shades of death, the light hath shined heavenly bright. For lo, the Virgin's child is born. To us the Son of God is given. Upon his shoulders shall be laid the government of earth and heaven. His name is called Wonderful, the Counselor, the Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace, peace dearly purchased with his blood. His government shall know no bounds, but far and wide o'er all extend. And happy peace, the glorious fruits of his just reign shall know no end. O'er David's kingdom on his throne, to rule and establish it secure, with judgment clear and justice right, his reign forever shall endure. Wow, (laughs) that is so beautiful. And if you want an awesome version of this song, check out The Christmas album by Andy Gullihorn and Jill Phillips. I mean, really, that whole album is so good. But again, take hymns like this and just read them as poetry to your kids. That would be our encouragement. Sometimes we get so familiar with these Christmas hymns that we treat them like cute Christmas songs, but these are opportunities to worship our Lord.
1: And remember, these are just some ideas. These are things that as we've processed with our family that we've thought up and hopefully they will stimulate others in you. And we would love to hear any that you have because our heart is for this to be a community all growing together. And so if you have some that you've been doing for years or some new ideas, we would love to hear those if you would share them. But our encouragement is just pick one. You don't have to do a lot. And same for your kids. You know, pick one thing as they, you know, you might brainstorm together, but help them find one that they could do and that is doable and that they would really pour themselves into because it's about our hearts before the Lord.
0: Thanks so much for joining us again today. We hope this has been an encouragement to you as you celebrate Christmas with your family this year. And like Katie said, even if we just think of one thing, how cool would that be to give that to our Lord this Christmas? And remember Jesus' words in Acts 20, 35, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Check us out on strategicfamilies.com. We want to build a community that challenges and encourages each other in this epic journey we call parenting. All right, thanks
1: again for listening and we'll see you next time.